Everything you need is within you. Together, we will explore and deepen our innate connection back to self and spirit. We are the Oracles. We are the Oracles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Magical Teas with the Oracles. I'm your co-host, Arlene. And in today's episode, part two of our mini-series, we will be continuing our discussion into the world of dreams. In part one of our dream series, we explored the world of dreams with dream guide Juliana Devar of the Honey Hive. Make sure you check it out if you have not done so already. But before we get started, let's do a quick check-in. Ali, how are you doing? How have you been during these past couple of weeks? Hey, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in today with us and tuning into our discussion. I'm doing pretty well. Last week around the, the solar eclipse, the new, new moon, right after it happened, I got like a, like a chest cold or some sorts. So since then till now, I've been trying to rest and recuperate and get ready for um, courses and things that I have going on in the works and just trying to keep myself balanced, try to keep a routine, Um, but I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Arlene? I mean, I don't, I think it's been, it's, it's a mixture between like the new moon in Gemini, the solar eclipse, the upcoming full moon, and then the upcoming summer solstice portal. That's just, I don't know. It's, I read somewhere that the, what's been going on these past couple of weeks is kind of like a reflection of what goes on in the mind of, of Gemini or rather a mercurial mind. And so I get it right. Because, you know, I'm also in that family, right. As a Virgo sun. Um, So I'm constantly busy and always doing something, but it's just like seeing the energies manifest in this way. It's just been making me go all over the place. So I'm all over the place, as you can tell, but um, I'm, I'm happy and I'm excited to be here recording this episode with you. So in today's episode, part two of our mini dream series, we will get into our experience of dreaming, our practice with dreaming, how dreams are looked at scientifically, and the unique teachings of Don Juan, a Nawa shaman. Now let's awaken into the world of dreams. Arlene, how is your dreaming as a child and how is it now as an adult? So I guess looking back at my childhood, I remember I remember always having vivid dreams from a young age. Um, I don't recall every single one of them now, of course, but I remember always having dreams. And the reason why I remember this is because I had several books that were like in regards to the meaning of dreams. And as I was growing up, you know, they were my childhood dreams were, were geared more to helping me understand who I am and what I was capable of, because from what I remember, they were, they were mainly vivid dreams, but then aspects of me in like either other dimensions or other timelines or other lives. And so I was able to, from those dreams, just kind of like get to know my potential spiritually and like the, the things that I have achieved and done in other aspects of myself and so growing up um now in dreams in my adulthood I've noticed that they have been more about bringing the pieces of myself back together and so what I mean by that is you know throughout throughout my life throughout our lives as I've mentioned before we lose aspects of ourselves or rather pieces of ourselves with like certain experiences or traumas that we've had throughout our lifetimes right and so the dreams that I've had as in my adult life, they always, for the most part, reflect where I lived in, you know, during a certain age, like during my teenage years or like where I lived 
um, as I was, you know, in my early 20s or where I lived, you know, a couple of years ago. And so my dreams always kind of like take me back to that time and place in hopes for me to kind of like bring those pieces of myself back. And so, um, you know, my adult dreams have shifted to reflect my shadow aspect. And so, and so as I'm saying this, you know, I'm realizing that it's trying, it's helping me to acknowledge, understand and heal from those experiences. Um, I'll still dream of other aspects of myself in other lifetimes and in other dimensions, but I guess it's just like, it's coming full circle to where I am remembering what it is that I can do, what it is that I am able to do. And then also like bring pieces of myself back together and just become whole once again. What about you? How have you, how have your dreams changed throughout the several stages in your life? While we're working on getting this episode together, I was reflecting back on that question of how has it changed and transition. Um, As a child, I had very intense dreams. Um, I had night terrors. It happens a lot. A lot of children have them. Night terrors is when you, when the child wakes but like they're crying or screaming or something they're doing things but they're still asleep you know they're still within that dream that dream state and from what my parents have told me is I had them a lot and that I would just wake up like I would just sit up and my eyes would be open but I would still be dreaming I don't really remember those types of dreams at all I do have some glimpse of of times that I've gotten myself out of dreams. And I do remember when I was a child, I, when I would get ready for bed, I had my own room. So I would like to turn off all the lights and sit there and feel the energies. And if I felt like I was going to have a bad dream or there was just like stuff around me, when I would have those dreams, I would pray and I would ask my angels to come and protect me and for good dreams, for me to dream of good dreams and that all the bad dreams would go away. And so I would visualize them being around me, like close. And then I would um, also pray for my parents and my brothers. And while I was doing that, I would visualize my visualize in my head it, the protection of my angels expanding all the way up until I could see them outside you know, looking down at our house. Uh, I'm not really sure who taught me that, but I have this vivid memory of do, starting to do it and then continuing to do it till now. When my daughters have gotten more vocal about their dreaming, this is something that I really taught them was to ask their angels, especially right before bed, to bring, to give the, to bring in good dreams and to take away all the bad dreams. And then, so that's how it was when I was really little. And then I noticed when I got my cycle, it changed. Like I was able to start remembering my dreams and I was, I had, those dreams felt extremely vivid. Like I could feel, taste and hear like the sensations of it. And I would end up in different like realms and dimensions and different time periods. And when I would wake up, I would always talk to my mom about it and tell her about it and my dad and us try to work through it and I remember I had this one dream that was really recurring I I was in middle school and it was it was of like a different a past time period um not that far probably in the between the 1920s and the 1940s around there and I had this recurrent dream and I would talk to my mom about it a lot and then as I got older, I don't remember much of my dreaming as a teenager, but after I had children, I really didn't dream much. I had a very like, like kind of blank dreamings. Like I always go to sleep and then wake up. Sometimes like sprinkled, I would get like a dream that would be intense or some type of like uh, fear dream, uh, something that was surrounded around um, one of the girls. And those types of dreams, those fear type of dreams would 
I remember would scare me a lot when the kids were younger because I've had dreams that I had seen happen in my waking life. So sometimes I didn't know it was just something that's going to happen. You know, when you're trying to figure out and understand what does this mean? It took me a long time and to, to understand that those dreams were just fears that I was going through for, for whatever reason, experience it, I guess, and be able to, you know, be understanding when it happens to other people, I get, you know, it, it took a while for me to really understand why I was having those dreams. And they were a lot, they were centered around um, my oldest, but those are very periodic. They didn't happen, you know, uh, reoccurring. And then in, 2000, in 2017, I had like a, a dream awakening. This dream I had like sparked the interest to learn about dreaming. This dream was like a dream of, of waking up within a dream. And that sparked my interest to, you know, lucid dream. And lucid dreaming is when you are dreaming and then you become aware that you're dreaming. So of waking up and becoming aware. And I noticed that I was doing that periodically, but, um, I didn't have any kind of control of it. And so in 2019, I started learning more about the dream experience and what they mean. I was experiencing, you know, spiritual dreams, spiritual warrior dreams. I was experiencing, you know, different interactions with different deities and my ancestors. Because I was starting to experience that, I started looking at ways to create a dream practice for myself. Do you have a dream practice? So real quick, I I just heard you mention like you started to like your dream um, practice started to activate back in 2019. That's I think that's the year we met, right? Yes, we met in November, right? Yes, I think so. I feel like we were both kind of like activated around the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we've been like distinctly, but then also we came together to kind of like further our spiritual journey. So I think, I think that's awesome. But Mm -hmm. um, going back to your question, like to be entirely honest up until recently, I didn't really have a dream practice. Like I've always had vivid dreams growing up and they were, I mean, there was a, a a flow, you know, sometimes I remembered them, other times I didn't. Um, And so for the longest time, I was able to remember my dreams. So I really didn't think it was necessary to, for me to like establish a dream practice, nor did I know that it was possible. Um, So it was, it was not until a couple of years ago that like my dreams also became very active. And so, and then all of a sudden they just like turned off. And that was actually strange for me because, I mean, I've always been able to remember my dreams. Like, I've always had dreams. And so to suddenly, like, wake up day after day, week after week, month after month, and just not remember my dreams, I was just like, okay, something's off. (laughs) What do I do? And then it's not until I came across, I met you, and then I came across the Honey Hive did I realize, holy shit, there's an entire world of dreaming I need to get on this bandwagon and so I I believe that being close to that made me want to strengthen my dream practice so um my dream practice now consists of a dream tea recipe that I came across and I was I like I've tweaked a little since then and basically what it is it's it has rose petals which is a gentle herb that helps treat insomnia, depression, stress, inflammation, and also menstrual cramps. Um, It also has Egyptian chamomile, which is a mild tranquilizer and sleep inducer. And it also helps with, uh, it also helps decrease anxiety. I've added Jinko, which helps reduce stress, enhance relaxation and promote sleep. And then I also added comfrey, which it's an herb that helps with um, the growth of new skin cells. And so comfrey has actually been added in other ointments that help with bruising and pulled muscles and ligaments. So I feel like 
I mean, if I'm relaxing and if I'm like inducing sleep, why not take care of other parts of the body that could benefit, you know? Um, But another thing that I do is I also set the intention to remember my dream. I speak to the herbs as I'm making my tea and I ask them to assist me with remembering my dream. And I also, I also write down like when I wake up, right. You know, I have my, my phone right next to me because I'm not going to write this down. Like I'm going to wake up and not going to want to write anything down. So I just like pull out my phone and I, I write down everything that I remember from my dream and whether it's like one word or whether it's two words, like I'll give you an example. This morning I woke up and I had a dream and then let me read this to you. So I had a dream. This is what I have in my notes. I had a dream. I saw a couple arguing and the woman told the husband, sorry, I don't look like Snow White. I was made nine times. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, that's all I remember from the dream, but like, I just made it made sure that I wrote it down. Um, Because one of the things that, you know, I believe is that dreams are messages from a higher power. And so whether it's like the higher self, spirit guides, whoever. And so when we take the time to like write down our dreams, try and like figure out what it is, we are showing our guides or a higher self or whoever is sending the messages that we are listening and that we're eager to like figure out what the message is and so I mean I do that and then I also talk about it with my spiritual guides um so sometimes if you ever if you ever catch me speaking by myself that's what I'm doing but I talk to them and just kind of like explain to them what I what I saw or what I heard and then as I'm explaining it to them I'm getting the responses of what they think my message or sorry, my dream means. And by doing that, I kind of like figure out the meaning of it. One thing that I do want to incorporate in my dream practice is um, our oils, because I believe that scent is helpful in immediately preparing the mind. And then I also want to try the herbal blend Gigi mentioned in the last episode. Um, But I feel like I just need to really find a good pipe (laughs) to go ahead and do that um but Ali what practices do you have do you I mean do you have any practices if so Uh, well as a child not really I didn't other than talking about my dreams but when I discovered the dream you know community I was like you shocked like that existed because when I started this path dreaming wasn't like my first thought and once I started getting into it and I f- uh, found uh, Gigi and her platform and looking at those dreams, the book that we're going to mention in, in a little bit by Marilyn, The Sexual Art of Dreaming, that really also gave me a guideline to create a practice because within her book, she has you know different exercises that you can try to implement into your dream. Now, what I like to do is like Harleen said was to dream journal. Once I started, I had the dreams that I would write down are the ones that really stuck with me that I thought about all day that I, you know, I couldn't get past. And once, even if I told it to somebody, because I always, that's one thing I do. I talk to somebody, either my partner, my friend, or my parents, just try to get it out because it's like all bottled up. And I've been getting these nudges from my guys that I need to draw my dreams. And I already have a sketchbook. I have drawn um, one dream that I have shared, which is on my Corazon platform, where is the one with um, the Buffalo woman and a young male Buffalo. So I've been getting those nudges and I'm just trying to put in the action, actually do it every day, or at least write down a few words, which has also been really helpful. And then I also create a dream satchel. When I have those periods of dreaming that I can't remember, like I know I'm dreaming. You know how like, you know, you're doing shit and then you wake up and it's gone, but you're tired. 
and you're like, I know I'm dreaming, but why am I not remembering? I came around this idea of a dream satchel about somewhere around 2019. And so I kind of just made it my own. And you can either use like a bandana or some kind of cloth little bag or leather bag. And you add attention herbs, you add a petition, um, you add crystals, whatever you you would like to help aid in your dreaming. So the herbs that I like to use are intention-based. Don't think you need to use all of them, all the crystals or all the herbs. Just look at the ones that call to you and then let, let that determine what you put in your dream satchel. Um, but crystals that I like to use are amethyst, lapis lazuli, uh, labradorite, black tourmaline, moonstone, and opal. And the dream herbs I like to use are mugwort, cedar, rose, lavender, bay leaf, and marigold. I always add lavender and rose into it because rose gives you that love, that passion, those, that, um, that gratitude, and just it's a forward protection also. And then lavender, you know, it helps soothe you into that sleep, into that you know, relaxation. And then one I like to work with a lot is mugwort. I have tried it in teas, but I'm not a big tea person. So I either smoke it. So I'll add it in my pipe or add it in my joint. And that has helped me remember my dreams and recall. To create your dream satchel, you put all your ingredients in there. You you bless it. You put your intention. And then what I like to do, once everything's like all like mixed together, I did like to inhale it and like breathe it in. So it like connects to my energy and my, and my, to myself. And then I'll tie it up and put it in my pillow. Sometimes I'll just leave it there, not touch it, just leave it in my pillow and take it out when I feel called to. Or sometimes I'll uh, open it up every night to create that, keep that intention, especially when I'm really trying to dream this certain type of dream which has really helped. And so try it out, see how you, you know, how you dream, but just be very aware of what herbs and crystals you use and correlate together because some things don't always go. So just be mindful and, you know, allow your spirit to guide you. You know, I think it's, it's uh, really important to point out. It's important to point out something interesting that you mentioned just a little while ago is that, you know, whenever you have, if you have some intentions of, of dreaming certain dreams, like you create that intention and just kind of like hope it like guides you into that, into your dreams. And so I think that it's, it's, it's important to know that you can do that. Like, if you want to dream with your ancestors or if there's a message that they want to deliver, you know, you can definitely give consent. You can ask for consent. You can have that idea or like thought or intention as you are, you know, preparing for your dream. And so it can, you know, definitely help. Earlier, you mentioned spirit warrior. For those listening who are not familiar, could you explain what it is? I first learned about Spirit Warrior when I started having these types of dreams of like battling, fighting off things, running from something, hunting something. Um, I was just having these types of dreams frequently and they were extremely, you know, tiring and I didn't know what it was. So when I started digging in and to figure out what that was, I learned that the indigenous American natives some of their cultures, they have this spirit war essence where they're, that is built within the dream world. And then after learning about my ancestry and how my ancestry is connected to the natives of this land, it kind of made sense of why I was having these types of dreams. And I'm still learning. I'm still within that, that spirit warrior essence and trying to understand what is my place. But I also know that not a lot of people experience this. You know, when you explain Spirit Warrior, it's it's kind of hard to explain because it's something that is, is an experience, you know? You can tell them, you know, that it's like this, like, like how you are going through boot camp or going through a mission, but 
like the the instincts, the the things that you learn within that space, it what really builds that strength of that that essence of that spirit warrior. You know, and if this type of dreaming is not what you're you're experiencing at this moment, that's okay. You know, with dream, I think me and Arlene, we dream very totally different. And the fact that that's good because we have these two different perspectives of how we can interpret our dreams and how you interpret your dream is by looking at the things that connect you to your dream. Because a lot of times in our waking life, you know, it filters into our dreaming and our dreaming filters into our waking life. So finding those connections is really going to help you find your type of dreaming. Absolutely. And I feel like spirit, it tests us more and more as we get older, but in the sense of you know, what what we are meant to learn in this life, you know, in this phase uh, at this age with the experience that we have, like, like you said earlier, you know, we have completely different ways of dreaming. I dream about different aspects of myself. You dream about strengthening um, that spirit warrior that you have. And it's probably because, you know, you might have a mission or you might have something that you need to learn or go through or accomplish. And then I have something that I need to learn from my previous or current or future aspects that I dream of. And so, you know, if it's like Ali said, if, if you don't, if you dream a certain way, um, it's completely, it's completely okay because that's the way that you are meant to dream in order to, to understand the messages that you're getting to understand what it is that you're capable of doing to understand what it is that you are meant to do. And so um, we wouldn't learn, you know, any of our lessons if spirit tries to teach us in a different way, like spirit will curate that message and curate that experience in order for us to learn it as best we can. So I think that's incredible. The information shared on this podcast is based on Allie and Arlene's experiences, opinions, and research done beforehand. Neither Allie or Arlene are licensed practitioners. We advise you to do your own research on each topic mentioned. We are not responsible for your stupidity. And so you mentioned this book a little earlier, but... When Allie and I began our research for this mini-series, Allie suggested a book by Marilyn Tunshend D. I think that's what you call it, um, called Don Juan and the Art of Sexual Energy, The Rainbow Serpent of the Toltec. And this book has like so many gems. I'm still trying to digest every single one of them. And it definitely sent me down a rabbit hole. And since then, Spirit has been sending me books related to this topic. So I know that this is something that I need to learn. But for the listeners who are not familiar with Don Juan, Ali, would you be able to provide some background information about him and his teachings? Yeah. So Don Juan, like Arlene mentioned before, I first was introduced of Don Juan through the book by Marilyn called Don Juan, The Art of Sexual Energy, The Rainbow Serpent of the Toltec. I also learned about Don Juan's teachings through Carlos Casienda. Those two authors' viewpoints and the way they interpret Don Juan's teachings are very different. Uh, Marilyn, she moves with her feminine energy and flows within the mysteries. She was able to grasp what Don Juan was saying very naturally. And Carlos is a very logical thinker. He's very structured, has these certain things. But after a while, you see him starting to fully understand and grasp what Don Juan was teaching. So who's Don Juan? Don Juan is Juan Matus uh, from Sonora, Mexico. Don Juan is a Tolatec guide. He's a Nahua guide, a Mexican Yaqui Indian sorcerer, and a dream guide. He has many titles. He has transitioned from this plane to another. And while he was here in this physical world, he was a teacher. And a Nahua, there's different in- interpretations of what it is. One of them is a human being who can uh, shapeshift into either a jaguar or a bird, another person. Uh, another interpretation 
is that it's a person that possesses a specific kind of energy configuration, which to a seer appears as a double luminous ball. So that luminous ball is your energy field that surrounds you. So the Nawa has two of those. And another in- interpretation is, is a natural guide, the leader of the party. So he, she naturally is the teacher, is t- teaching his students so they can continue teaching. So be able to keep the knowledge alive was his role. I'm still learning a lot of Don Juan. I, I'm reading right now The Art of Dreaming by Don Juan. That's my main focus. And he has so many gems of what he says. Because within both books, there are conversations that they're both Carlos and Marilyn are having with him. And this, the gems that he drops, you have to like read them over and over so you can be able to grasp and make sure you know and keep up with him because he goes fast, you know? So here's two passages from his book, Art of Dreaming by Carlos. So the first passage is, dreaming can only be experienced. Dreaming is not just having dreams, neither is it daydreaming or wishing or imagining. Through dreaming, we can perceive other worlds, which can certainly describe, but can't describe what makes you perceive realms. Dreaming seems to a sensation, a process in our bodies, and awareness in our minds. I'm reading these out to you so you can think back to these throughout this episode and after. Um, so the second passage is sorcerers view dreaming as an extremely sophisticated art, the art of displacing the assembly point at will from its habit- habitual position in order to enhance and enlarge the scope of what can be perceived. So the sorcerers he's talking about are the ancient teachers that taught him through his lineage that has passed it down. And then the similar point is a point in our energy field that helps us perceive our realities. Wow, that's really interesting. I've never heard of the assemblage point until I started reading Don Juan. And even now, I'll confess that it like went way over my head. And then now that I hear you talking about it, like I kind of, I have a better understanding of it. So thank you so much for explaining that. Are there are there any other teachings that you learned from Don Juan? I know that you you've been reading other books of his and like other materials. So like what what else can you share with us? I can go into what the assembly point is because that part was very fascinating. The part that really took me a little time to understand how it kind of works. So the assembly point is located on a place at the height of your, of the shoulder blades and arm length from the person's back. So the assembly point is what makes us perceive. The old sorcerers believe that perception was assembled there that every human has an assembly point in the same spot. That's why we all perceive the same type of reality. Like we, you know, we're all constantly we're all connected. And in the dream state, the assembly point can be easily, easily moved, aiding in your ability to perceive the dream space. So you wouldn't be able to, you know, go to different realms, different timelines. Because this spot on this energy field, so think of it as a golden energy ball like the one from Dragon Ball Z that is on your back and it's constantly moving and your giant uh, luminous ball is surrounding it and it's feeding all this energy information like wires through this energy ball into you where you perceive your reality. So humans, when we get to a certain age, our assembly point is fixated and you know, put in one spot. So the art of dreaming is to help move your awareness, move the assembly point so your perception can alter and be able to be more expanding. He talked about the dream space as the second attention. The second attention is the condition of being aware of total worlds, total, like our world is total, while the dreaming attention is the condition of being aware of items of our dreaming. So is, you know, the dream space. That's what he called it. When he referred to dream space, he always had the second, he always called it the second attention. And then he also talked about 
um, the different dream gates. And he says that there's seven dream gates that we all have to, if you're practicing a dream, if you are actively practicing dream and want to strengthen this, you have to go through each gate at a time. And a lot of people stay between the first few gates because when we have this normal dreams, not uh, paying attention, we're normally at the one until we start bringing our awareness more, we start going through these different gates. Um, so the different dream gates, well, the first dream gate that you can go through is being aware. It's just going to sleep and becoming aware that you are falling asleep. And the second gate is you being aware and then be able to find your hands to focus on things. How we talked about being aware and focusing on certain objects of your dream. So he first suggests that you, you look at your hands, you look for your hands. And then once you find your hands, you start looking at different things in your dream, but not bring your, fo- your total focus to it, just glancing at it and then back to your hands. And then when you're done looking at everything and be fully aware of your surroundings, you can switch to another dream if you're done. So it's like bringing that full awareness and be able to to have that ability to, you know, change and wake up. He also talks about the energy bodies. The energy body is the counterpart to the physical body. So it's a ghost-like configuration of pure energy. The energy body has only appearance, but no mass. So it's pure energy. It can perform things that are beyond the possibilities of our physical body. So that's how we can go to like different realms and different timelines and different experiences because our energy body is free to do whatever the hell it wants to do. So with your energy body, we only have so much of it. And if you want to have a good dream or like you're working in dream, you want your energy body to be strong. So that means you have to eliminate certain things in your life that are causing you to absorb too much energy. There are so like the TV, the phone, arguing certain things that are are causing you to waste energy. So to remove those things, it gives you energy left over that you can apply to your dreams and be able to start experiencing dreams uh, more fluidly. Wow, that's actually so much information. Like, <laughs> I know that the book, it like explains something so in- incredibly big and just so incredibly yeah. important. And then it's like, okay, cool, now practice it. And then you're like, wait, what do you mean? You just want me to f- fly? Like, you just showed me how to fly and you want me to do it now, now? And so, like, all this talk actually reminds me of of the movie Doctor Strange and the series WandaVision. And so I'll go over some scenes that, remind me of this in the movie Doctor Strange after he's admitted to to Kamartaj uh, which is where he meets the ancient one and he learns the mysteries and all that he uses his time in the dream state to learn and further his knowledge of the practices he's learning so I think in one scene he was asleep but then his dream body while he was sleeping was reading books and books and books and books and so whenever he woke up he already captured all that knowledge and then he used it to further his practice and so I thought that was interesting a really really interesting movie so if you haven't seen it please do so in the series WandaVision so spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it feel free to fast forward and the last scene it actually focuses on a house somewhere in the mountains and so like the camera comes in and it as as it's getting closer to the house you can see Wanda and she's sitting outside in her porch with a cup of tea or coffee whichever and so she's she's naturally in her waking state but like the camera kind of like moves in toward the house and it starts to like go toward the the bedroom and as it's like going into the bedroom you then see Wanda in her dream body and she's also reading books and like learning about like the dark hold which is like mystic arts in their universe right and so I find that bit of pop culture to be interesting for those who have watched Doctor Strange either they like it because they understand what it is that they're talking about or they don't like it because they don't understand what they're talking about. And so going back to Don Juan's book, at the end of each chapter, they provided exercises for the reader to do. And so I wonder if you, Ali, have practiced them. And if so, like if you've noticed change, like, so in other words, are you reading books in the astral plane? 
you know, I didn't, I never thought about doing that, but that's a very good idea that I'm going to try to do because yeah. I got so many books I got to read so many. And that's very clever of Dr. Strange to do that. I haven't seen WandaVision, but I have seen Dr. Strange here and there. My partner likes those types of movies and I've had to sit through them. But going back to your question with the exercises that were in Marilyn's book, uh, I did. I did a lot of the exercises. I am still, even with the art of dreaming, I am working through the first few gates. So becoming aware that I'm dreaming and then looking for my hands, paying attention to when I speak. Because so in the Don Juan and the art of sexual energy, she also has, like, she talks more of, like, when you see in your astral body, like, from above and looking down at it. That I really haven't really mastered. But I have, I am working through those first ones. What about you, Arlene? So I haven't practiced any of the exercises that are noted in the book. After hearing you talk about hands, I do recall an exercise that I came across many, many years ago. And so I remember at the time I practiced it, but it's just come out of like practice since then that I don't do it now. But basically what it was is it also had to do with their hands, right? And so like what they suggested you to do is during your waking state, if you hold your hands in front of you and you pull your index finger, whether it's your right hand or your left hand, just go ahead and pull it. And then get into the habit of pulling it throughout the day just to confirm that you're awake. And so because you've gained that habit of doing it throughout the day, it just comes instinctually that when you are dreaming, you're also going to do that. The theory is if your finger remains the same, then you are awake. But if you pull your finger and it stretches like gum, then you're obviously in the dream state. And so when I learned that, I you know, I wanted to try it out. And so I was like practicing it and I, I pulled my finger throughout the day. Well, I remember in one dream, I like did it that like my finger stretched and like mm-hmm. that's when I knew that I was dreaming. And so I really want to try the exercises in Marilyn's book, but I kind of wanted to like get with you to see if maybe you tried them and just, you know, pick your brain about them. The one I do like the most is when... Sean, when he teaches uh, Marilyn fire breathing, where it, you go through all the channels, so you go through the front, the back, and then your your center channel, and going over that one, I really like doing. It was very the inner the way I felt afterwards was very energetic, and that's how I felt today when I was doing some meditation. I was doing a sort of fire breath, but I wasn't standing; I was sitting. That meditation really something that I really like to do. Like it just, the, I don't know. I'm a, I'm very fiery, so I like that type of stuff. Yeah, and I think I mean going off, veering off topic just a little bit. It goes back like the breathing exercises go back to to a previous episode in which you know we briefly talked about pranayama and like the art of breath work. And so you know after learning about that, it just helped me better understand that. Breathing is a form of moving energy. And so if we're constantly moving that around our bodies, it's just going to help us remove any internal influences that are keeping us from proceeding with what we have to do. So breathing is good. So if you are interested in reading the two books that we mentioned, one is called Is Don Juan and the Art of Sexual Energy, The Rainbow Serpent of the Toltec. That one is by Marilyn I'm just going to spell it out for you. T-U-N-N-E-S-H-E-N-D-E. Okay. I don't know how to say it. I'm sorry. I don't want to butcher it. And then the other one is The Art of Dreaming by Carlos Casienda. And he has a lot of books because Don Juan wasn't just a dreaming guide. He taught a lot of different different subjects, different topics. Um, And Carlos has a big range um, than Marilyn, but check them out. Let us know what you think. And yeah, like you heard the spiritual aspect of dreaming. And I know a lot of people want to know what does science say about dreaming? So I just want to point out, like before I get into the scientific portion of it, is that dreaming is not new. Many ancient cultures have looked at dreams with is like otherworldly, right? And so, you know, ancient Egypt, 
viewed dreams as messages from the gods and anyone who had vivid dreams were considered special and someone to definitely look up to. The ancient Sumerians in Mesopotamia have left evidence of dream interpretation dating back to at least 3100 BC. Some indigenous tribes in the Americas believe that dreams are a way of visiting and having contact with their ancestors. And certain Native American tribes use vision quests as a rite of passage. So in modern day science, dreams are looked at in a slightly different way. Science has determined that dreams mainly occur in the rapid eye movement stage of sleep, also known as REM. Science also believes that people are more likely to remember the dream if they were awakened during the REM phase. You know, and it's like when you're creating a dream practice, it is suggested to wake up multiple times during the night. So like you set your alarm for like four hours and then two hours and then an hour. So when you're waking up, you have the possibility of recalling your dreams more frequently. And you know what? As I was doing the scientific view on dreams, I came across an interesting fact that like is dated back in the early 1900s that people actually like their sleep schedule was completely different than what it is today, right? So like today we go to sleep at like 9, 10, and then we go up like at 6, 7. Well, people back then, they actually wouldn't go to sleep. They take naps throughout the night, right? And so they take a nap from let's say 10 to 2 and then wake up and then do whatever it is that they were doing and then go back to sleep like sometime during the day or something. Back in the early 1900s, spiritualism was like very popular. Mm -hmm. And so it was back when like seances were a big thing and like taking pictures of your dead while they were dead were also a big thing. And so it, it didn't surprise me when I came across this information because back then when like everything was being looked at in a different way, like death, how to approach it, how to connect with with that plane, they were also connecting to this dream state. So I think the fact that like science kind of like confirms that you, you do need to kind of like wake up during the REM phase, whenever that is for you as a way to like remember your dreams, it's interesting. And so another thing that science believed is that people have three to five dreams per night and some up to seven. During the late 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, as the dream state was being looked at, Sigmund Freud came out with a theory that basically state dreams reveal insight into hidden desires and emotions. And so Freud believed that regardless of its content, dreams represented the release of sexual tension. And so this theory was actually later challenged by none other than Carl Jung. You know, initially him and Freud were were acquaintances, but until they bumped heads regarding this theory in which Jung was like, no, dreams are actually a connection to the unconscious mind. He argued that dreamers should pay attention to their dreams for their own good, which I firmly agree with him. And I think everybody should pay attention to their dreams also. And so he also believed that memories formed throughout the day also played a role in dreaming. And so said memories left impressions for the unconscious to deal with when the ego is at rest. I want to say that Carl Jung was definitely ahead of his time, especially when he was like bumping heads with Sigmund Freud, but that's another story. After doing much research on dreams in regards to like what science has to say about them, I just, I pretty much came down to like one conclusion is that science is yet to determine where dreams originate from or what the purpose of dreaming is for the body and mind. You know, I want to point out is that although science has not fully acknowledged the incredible power of dreaming, it doesn't invalidate it or our ability to activate and strengthen our dream body. You know, we as humans fear what we don't know, and even more, when we follow an institution, whether it's religious or societal, that forbids any practice that involves us connecting with our higher selves. With this and everything else, try to understand what you feel, why you feel a certain way about certain things or topics, and figure out if this is something you're afraid of because of past negative experiences or if someone else's facts tailored to fit their perspective of that particular subject are actually managing or handling your outlook on this particular subject. Explore yourself, explore who you are, shadows and all. I feel like the reason why science hasn't fully 
grasp the idea of dreaming and how it's done is because they have separated the different parts of a person, you know, the spiritual, the mind, the body, everything in in science and medicine has separated it and caused it for the unity to be broken. And I feel like once those, you know, connections have been connected again, we will be able to start understanding what it actually means scientifically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we are slowly but surely getting there. It's just a matter of everybody kind of like being on the same page. People will first and foremost accept a fact backed up by science because it's a fact and you can prove it and you can't prove things that are intangible, right? And so, you know, unfortunately, we're not there yet, but fortunately, we are slowly and surely getting there. So it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of planting seeds. But it's like the meme says, it's not much, but it's honest work. So we have talked about our experience with dreaming, our practices, what it is scientifically, the art of Don Juan. And we thank you for listening in and being here with us while we talk about dreaming. Let's awaken to the world of dreams. It is different for all of us. Our experiences, our own, and help shape the world that we live in. Arlene and I are barely scratching the surface when it comes to the topics of dreaming. All over the world, there are different ways and theories of dreaming. Now, we ask you, how do you dream? What are your ways that you like to practice dreaming? Head over to our IG account and comment on our latest posts. Ways you like to awaken into the world of dreams. Thank you for listening to our Dreams mini-series. Make sure to keep a lookout for our next episode. We, the Oracles, will explore the world of divination. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at magicalteas.oracles.